This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Choo choo! The All the Social Ladies train is pulling into the station. It's Carrie Kerpin of All the Social Ladies. And today I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing Addie Hall, who is the Marketing Communications Manager for CSX. CSX is a Fortune 250 company, and they are all about the railroad system. They transport tons of things and are a huge indicator for the economy. They are a private railway system, and they are pretty incredible in terms of what they're able to accomplish in the world. The question is, how do you get something like this, a bigger, broader concept, where you're not technically marketing to the consumer-facing group? How do you make it interesting on social? Today, you'll hear from Addie about how they do just that. Take a listen. Welcome to the show, Addie. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm so happy to have you here. And I would love for you, before we get started and talk about CSX, I'd love to talk a little bit more about you. Uh, So tell me about the story of your career and how you got to where you are today. Well, I actually started out as a writer in the magazine publishing world, and um, this was the early 2000s, so it was really about the time when digital kind of became legitimate, and businesses and um, all sorts of organizations were really starting to pay attention, and consumers were really starting to look on the internet for things. And um, it, it was really like this philosophical shift. Like, if we put recipes online, will people still buy our magazines? Um, and I was young enough that I had just graduated from college, and I had taken some online communications courses. And um, so I had the foundational knowledge to, to contribute. And um, from there, it really shifted my career. I mean, I went from writing a magazine article, which I kind of thought was my dream job. And, you know, but it, it just leaves you with this, I don't know, you, you just send an article out there into the world and you have no idea how people interact with it. Mm. And having some having that then change a digital format where you can get metrics and you can have engagement with your audience, it really just blew my mind. And I was like an addict. I mean, I I just, all I wanted to do was digital um, because it was so much more fulfilling for me. Because you were able to see how what you wrote performed and how people were interested in it or not? Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, just having that insight into, and, and I mean, we're talking at the time, very simple, like how many views a page got or mm. how many posts an email got. 
Mm. And we started, you know, doing newsletters um, and sending some of our content out via email. And it was it was just cool. I mean, to see, okay, people love, I mean, this is kind of, we didn't need the analytics to tell us this, but, you know, people love dessert recipes. Those performed better. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Big, big surprise. So, you know, seeing the types of content, um, being able to, to really have that quantitative view, um, it, it was really exciting to me. So I, my career just shifted from there to a digital marketing focus. And I, I took a job with a company that is in the B2B space in the information services industry. And while I was there, social then kind of came onto the scene as something that businesses were starting to pay attention to. So, you know, it was great because in all of these, um, all of these career shifts and all of these um, positions I've had, it's been kind of building from the foundation of the birth of the internet all the way through now social. Now there's so much of our, our lives that have now shifted online. So now I'm at CSX and I am responsible for marketing communications. So primarily focused on engaging our customers and social is a big part of what we do along with email marketing and, and other types of digital communications. So tell us a little bit about CSX, what you do, uh, because I think a lot of our listeners don't know, and you know, I'm totally fascinated by your (laughs) entire organization, as we've spoken before. Tell our listeners a little bit about what CSX does and who your customer actually is. Yeah, so we are a railroad. Um, We are one of the few class one railroads in the country, and we have a network that's throughout the East Coast. And probably something that people don't really realize is that railroads and all of this infrastructure is completely private. So we own the tracks, we we maintain the bridges, we do all of that, and we move everything from um, rocks and metal and lumber to orange juice. We have a train that goes, it's the Tropicana train, um, it, it goes from Florida to New York and, and carries orange juice. And so, really, we move so many different types of products. So, it's really interesting for me because it's, uh, you know, a 200-year-old industry. But where we are today is so different, and we use so much technology, and we have a great message about sustainability because we're a greener way. You know, we're not these old steam locomotives. We're GE diesel engines that are... Mm. um, you know, really, we can move freight so much more efficiently than than some other modes. So, so yeah. So we um, we are a railroad, and a lot of what I do is supporting all of the different markets that we have that work with companies and these different commodity groups. And so, who is the target when you're marketing on social? That is a good question because mm. um, we we have. A lot. And as a publicly held company and as a company that has a presence in a lot of communities, we target engaged citizens. So that's kind of our term for people who are active in communities who may have an interest in infrastructure projects and the environmental impacts of, of freight moving through their areas. We have um, an, you know, a lot of investors 
kind of the old um, saying or, or the way a lot of people look at rail is as an economic indicator. So um, as the economy goes, so goes rail. You know, mm. people are looking to us to kind of predict how the economy in general is going because we're looking at housing starts to forecast how much lumber we're going to move. We're looking mm. at energy market. You know, we're looking at energy prices to figure out how much crude oil we're going to be moving. So there's a, a big investor interest. Um, and then also potential and current customers and employees. And another layer of, of being a railroad is we've got a public safety message that we're also interested in getting out because, you know, we do have um, crossing accidents and uh, pedestrian accidents that, you know, we want to bring to the forefront as an education opportunity to tell people, you know, to be careful around tracks. So you've got a lot of different messages out there. How do you how do you decide what type of content to put out there that is engaging? What resonates with the CSX audience? Well, I think in some ways we're still learning and adapting. We we try to have four goals in mind when we're developing social content brand recognition, so kind of that awareness component, reputation, that's, again, alluding to our crisis response, community involvement, um, our customer engagement, and talent acquisition. So so we try to develop content that kind of fits within one of those areas or, or multiple areas. I think that what we've seen perform particularly well has been anything that's really authentic and, um, you know, shows how we are integrated within the American economy. So it sounds like you have different content buckets and you look at how you can use, how you can use content to move any of those, whether it's talent acquisition or any of these pieces, and, and they all tie back to that kind of one major theme you talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of overlap. Um, you know, what we see as something that we're putting out there to show our presence in a community going to help us hopefully recruit potential employees. And, um, you know, for example, we've done things on social where we show like some really big things that we've moved. So, for example, we moved like a um, Mitsubishi turbine, which is like this huge um, turbine and these huge heat exchangers and these, I mean, they look like rocket ships. Right. I mean, that's the type of thing that you would stop and take pictures of. It's pretty amazing. And so this is a great example of something that we put out there that rail fans love. People think it's really interesting, but it also shows our capabilities to customers. You know, we can handle these huge loads. Um, and it, it shows us as a credible and safe partner in the industry. And so which network do you think that you're, you're currently on is sort of performing the best for you or helping you best communicate that message? We spend um, most of our time and attention on Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And um, especially with, with Facebook, we see a lot of... Um, interested employees and potential employees, as well as community members, less so customers, but that seems to be trending um, upward. I mean, we seem to 
see more and more customers as demographics are changing in our customers. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we do we do primarily Facebook and Twitter. And is the ultimate goal in terms of measurement of success when you're looking at your work in social, is the ultimate goal tied more to awareness and brand recognition, like you said in the beginning, or is it more about engagement? What constitutes success for CSX and social? Right now, followership is, is still our primary mm-hmm. uh, our primary metric that we're paying attention to. And because we work in so many different communities, you know, the more people that we can communicate with, the better. So, um, so that's our primary focus right now is that followership and um, awareness aspect of it. So it's community size and reach, or is it mostly around community size? Are you still focused on building the community or are you focused on how far the message can travel from the community out into non-fans? Yes, reach is definitely a, a big factor for us. We have people, you know, you wouldn't think to connect with a railroad, right? I mean, right. just in your day-to-day life, a railroad's probably not top of mind. But we work in some communities where we have big infrastructure projects, uh, where people want to get information. And we've got a lot to tell about, you know, even things like where, um, if we're working on a tunnel, where the parking space may be moving or, um, you know, sometimes it's things like that. And then sometimes it's, we are working with city year to, um, do a project with the schools in your community or something like that. So, so we, we have our hands in a lot, which is why I think it's so important that we try to stay true to our main focus areas and make sure Mm. that everything falls within those, um, within that framework. It sounds like you're really, really rooted in community. When I hear you talking about it, it's it's a lot around the local communities that you pass through uh, and the communities that you serve and the people who work for you. It sounds like a very community-based approach. Absolutely. And I think that some of that is rooted in how um, how we operate and, and who we are as uh, part of the economy. You know, we work with we are not just selling things to someone very specific in one particular commodity group. We, we reach so many different um, markets and we're in so many different communities and um, within those communities, you know, we've got a regulatory aspect. And so, you know, we have to work with communities one, because we want to be a good neighbor and we want to make sure that they understand um, what we're doing in their area. And two, we may need them to be our advocates depending on, um, you know, what we have going on and what sorts of projects we may want to work on in their areas. So, um, so yeah, we, we strive to be a good neighbor, a good, um, you know, a, a good corporate citizen and, um, and that kind of continues to reap rewards for us. And Addie, as you and I have talked about, we do know that there are many, many train obsessed people in the world, people yeah. who are total train enthusiasts. Uh, and so for train enthusiasts, do you do any sort of marketing or conversations to, that appeal to them? Or do you find that those people just kind of naturally come to you anyway, because they're obsessed with trains? This is so funny because I, you know, we, we were talking about this in a meeting this morning. Uh, it's, it's an, 
ongoing evolution. I mean, we're kind of shifting our thinking in terms of terms of how we engage with rail fans. We haven't, like you said, we haven't had to do a lot of work to get them to show up. You know, they they are on social. They they love connecting with us, and it's really great for us because we've got kind of this built-in audience, this built-in community, and they're really positive. They love everything we put out there. They're excited. They're engaged. And um, I think that we haven't maybe done enough to build that um, because Mm -hmm. it it always has been a given that people are just going to love trains and and show up because they like it. Um, So I think that it's certainly a, a area and an audience where there's a lot of respect. I mean, we think that it's really cool that people love what we do and and um, are always interested in in any sort of um, any sort of advances that we make. So, I think we're still trying to figure out exactly how we could maybe leverage that more. And I'm looking, you know, in in thinking about their greatest challenge in social, what. What do you see as the greatest challenge? I think, at least from my perspective, it's been more of the internal adoption. And I would mm. expect that this is probably common through some at some industries, like I said, of course. where there's a regulatory interest or there's um, some sort of constraint. So like finance and, um, you know, some of the, companies that really don't have a natural connection to social as much. I think that part of the challenge in working in social is that you have to be able to translate uh, to people within your community and, I mean, within your company and be able to justify what you're doing. And um, when you're not a consumer brand, it can be difficult. And um, we have built some campaigns that have really, I think, given us some more traction internally and some more leeway to, to do more and more. But I think that's always a challenge. Yeah. I think with, especially with a lot of larger, more regulated, heavily regulated companies, there's still a fear around social that is, that is difficult to overcome. And so I, I definitely feel your challenge. How do you respond when you have some kind of anything happens where the community is upset with you, whether it's something with the the rails or something with jobs or anything along those lines, are you able to respond via social or is it more like you're taking it and bringing it into corporate? We currently do not respond via social, but it is something that we, we try and address um, and we try to build ways to address what we see as, as common themes. Um, we do a lot with anytime we have some sort of crisis. So say in our world, that's usually a derailment. We are just have a huge team that is dedicated to doing whatever it takes to make everyone who's affected happy. Um, whether that is, you know, making sure if they are displaced and they have a hotel room and they have the medicine they need, they have, I mean, their pets are taken care of. So we really do a lot on the ground, and we use social. We've got a a whole crisis framework that we use. So we have these protocols in place, if we do have an incident, to make sure that we are communicating, um, usually on an hourly basis via Twitter, to direct people to the appropriate places on our website where they can get information. 
So we've really got a lot built around how to respond in situations like that. Now, when it comes to dealing with people who are just unhappy, um, I think that that's another issue that a lot of companies struggle with. And we certainly have not come up with a a solution yet uh, that's anything new. Um, it's, It's hard. And I know, I think sometimes the hardest part of my job is to try to figure out what's appropriate because you have to also realize that these people may be very vocal, but they also may be a minority um, when you're talking about your whole audience. And so you don't want them to lead the conversation that you're trying to have, and you don't want them to continue to interrupt the messages. But at the same time, you do need to understand that it, it, social is a two-way conversation, and you do need to acknowledge where it is appropriate, valid you know, concerns from your audiences. We have um, some other types of ways where we can work with um, work with the public on like a one-on-one basis if they're having complaints. And so we try to funnel them to that hotline. And, you know, if it's something, occasionally we'll get a lot of things like, oh, this train has been at this crossing for too long, or why do you always blow the horn at 2 a.m.? And... I think that's twofold. I think one, we can funnel people to our hotline number. Yeah. And two, we can do an educational um, message through social to try to explain. I mean, I, I think people don't understand. We have to blow the horn at certain areas because we are regular. I mean, we are mandated to. You're required and to. Yeah. We are required to by the, the local government. And uh, that's not really, it's not really like someone's just like, driving a randomly honking the horn. It's like, hey, who's awake? Hey guys, you know? we're here. We're here. Yeah, I heard your baby sleeping. Let me honk the <laughs> horn. So, you know, I think that there it, it's you know, we have we have a message to tell sometimes where where it's appropriate to respond to those things. And then sometimes, you know how it is. It's it, it might be someone who's just trolling and um you know, you just let it hang and and see and hope nothing comes of it. So I think that your approach in looking at your content is really, really innovative. You've got some great stuff looking at it. What would you say is the best thing that you've done in social so far? I think one of my favorites was a campaign that we did over the summer, and it was called the Intermodals. And for uh, those who may not know, intermodal transportation is when you move a container from uh, different types of transportation. So it may go from a ship to a train and then a truck. Uh, these are the containers that you see on the on the back of trucks on the highway, and they can also be put on a train. And so intermodal transportation is, is a big deal for us. And we did this really quirky campaign. It had these webisodes where we gave the intermodal containers and cranes and the locomotives, all these different pieces. They each had their own name, and they had, like, their little personality and it was just really cool because it was something you would totally not expect from, again, this old clunky railroad. Um, and it had a great educational component. So you walked away, you were entertained, you laughed, and then you also understood more about how we could move freight. Awesome. 
It sounds like it really accomplished your goal. It's pretty incredible. And where, Addy, should people follow you if they want to connect with you? And then where should they follow CSX if they want to follow the rails? Yes. So CSX, first and foremost, find us on Facebook. Um, We're just official CSX at CSX on Twitter. Uh, We are on Instagram also. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn. And you can also find me on Instagram. Awesome. Addie, thanks for being on the show. You're one fabulous social lady. Hey, back at you. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.